This is Brojo Online. Masculinity, confidence, and integrity with Dan Monroe. Alrighty, welcome back to Brojo Online. And today we're going to be talking about emotions and rationality. Something I call emotional rationality, which is harmonizing your brain, allowing your emotions and rational thinking that occurs in the neocortex to work together for you to make the best decisions possible for your life. I want to start by acknowledging the very reason that I needed to do this podcast is because most people are extremist in their views around emotions versus rationality. People tend to, in my experience, divide themselves into two camps. Those who believe that generally emotions are in the way of rationality, that emotions make decision-making more difficult, that make problems happen, and that emotions are kind of like obstacles to overcome. And then there's others who believe the opposite. They believe that thinking and reason, deduction, and calculation are cold and sterile, and that how you feel is all that matters, and that your emotions are all, and that your emotions should be listened to and obeyed. And some people fluctuate between the two. They're very cold and rational and analytical in certain matters where being emotional is actually more helpful. For example, socializing. They try to break that down into steps instead of just going with the flow emotionally. And then they might become extremely emotional during a time where rationality is required. Like during a team meeting where you're planning the future of the company. So I want to talk today about how to reunite these two concepts and understand that they're not working against each other. They're not in competition, they're actually a team. And if you learn how to lead that team, your decision making will be very powerful and it will be very easy for you to live a life of integrity. I've I've studied all sorts of different um, philosophies and theories and fields of psychology and I can see... In general, most people tend towards the idea that emotions are kind of bad. That they're in the way, they make things more difficult. And I see more of that than I see of the other school of thought, just in my own anecdotal experience. You see it in even very uh, popular philosophies and schools of thought that I subscribe to, like Stoicism. You can see it with people like Eckhart Tolle telling you to constantly let go and step back and just observe your emotion as if it's something that's almost irrelevant, something that happens to you, a side effect of being a human. Even through the cognitive behavioral therapy, where you'll actually learn techniques to try to control your emotions, manage them. What I've found is when you subscribe too heavily to these ideas or you misunderstand these ideas, you get what's called, well, what I call, psychopathic suppression. You fight emotion, uh, often successfully, and you suppress it. Especially any emotion that you put into the bad category. We all have those ones. People are generally okay with feeling calm, relaxed, happy, curious, and interested. What they're not okay with is anger, sadness, anxiety, disgust. Frustration, fear, confusion, all these other very natural and normal human emotions that occur to us frequently and regularly. 
But because when they come up and they're supposedly in the way and a failure to even experience, they're fought against and suppressed. And what this leads to is not a more rational life, but simply an unemotional one, a numb life. There's no joy in living. Nothing's too good or too bad. You get into the small range in the middle. This is very common for people like myself with nice guy syndrome. You become numb to emotional sensation. And yet these emotions still bubble up and boil out and eventually explode. And you have tantrums where you kind of detonate and either inwardly with something like chronic depression and anxiety or outwardly like rage and destructive behaviors. It all comes from that shame about emotions, that feeling too much is bad and wrong and irrational. And blaming bad behavior that you've engaged in in the past on your emotions. You know, when I was angry, I hit my partner. And that way, you know, that that means that anger is bad. Or, you know, when I was sad, I couldn't get into work and I lost my job. So sadness is in the way. Or when I was confused, I wasn't able to make a decision quickly during a job interview and I lost that job. And the emotions actually get blamed for the negative things that happen in your life. There's this idea that the emotion decided the behavior for you. And that's something I'll be challenging today for sure. Then you also get a person who wants to control their emotions but can't. They are like a victim to them. It's what I call emotional self-bullying. So this is somebody who drowns in emotions and the emotions multiply on top of themselves. You punish yourself for having an emotion and that will cause you to have another emotion on top of it. You might, for example, get anxious before going on stage and then you'll get angry at yourself for being anxious and then you'll be sad that you're an angry person who gets anxious and these things multiply. You might get worried about being anxious and that's what I call anxiety squared. And after so much drowning in emotion, you'll get depressed just to kind of turn the off switch and and cool down. You'll be stressed and worried about the emotions you're going to have. And you'll be angry and bitter and resentful about how emotions affected you in the past. You've got a really negative relationship with emotions, but emotions are ruling you. The psychopathic suppresses successfully, to some extent, control their emotions. At least they suppress them. But some people don't seem to develop that skill. And it comes from either... A thought system like, I shouldn't feel this way, but I can't help it because I'm weak. And the kind of punishment that comes with that. Or you get people who, they're actually okay with drowning in emotion. And they justify very poor behavior on the idea that we're emotional beings and nothing can be done about it. They might say that how I feel is all that matters. They might use words like intuition and spirituality to justify making very bizarre decisions based solely on how they feel. They'll be run by cognitive biases, where they won't believe in fact and evidence. They'll they'll think that how they feel is all that matters. We live in a big generation of this right now, where somebody thinks, if I feel offended, then that thing must be wrong. It's very inaccurate thinking. That thing might be just fine, and it's just you that's getting offended. This idea that emotions... Uh, somehow represent the truth and how you feel is justified every single time. So you've got kind of kind of three types of people there. Sopathic suppressors, the person I used to be where I was so ashamed of emotion that I just blocked most of it and became very numb. 
You've got the emotional self-bullying, which is the people who think, again, that emotions are bad, but they can't control them, and they drown in them, and they're completely owned by them. And then you've got what I'd call emotionally entitled, which is somebody who believes that rationality and truth and logic has no place in this world. How you feel is all that matters, and it's what everyone should care about. And you make no effort whatsoever to reconcile your decision-making with your emotions. So these three types are ultimately unsuccessful ways to live, in my experience, in my opinion. If you're psychopathic in your suppression, even if you're successful in it, you don't, you don't get to feel alive. You don't get to experience life. It can make you very existential, very nihilistic. You're like, what's the point of living? It doesn't feel like anything. Why am I here? Somebody's very emotional doesn't really ask that question because they f- they're fucking alive. The question's answered. This is why I'm here, to feel this shit. With the emotional self-bullying, of course, that's too much of it. It's like, I want life to end because I can't take any more feeling. I'm overstimulated. I'm drowning here, suffocating in my emotions. And the emotional entitled person can thoroughly enjoy being the way they are, but they're very destructive people on the planet. And they usually end up paying heavily for this kind of wild ride of emotion. It's the kind of behavior a drug addict indulges in. Indulges in. They do whatever feels good. And most of us will know that when somebody just do, does whatever feels good to them or feels right, they usually end up creating a fucked up life. But there's a fourth type of person. That's the person we're going to be trying to become today. The emotional, emotionally rational person or emotional rationality. It's what I call the emotional surfer. It's somebody who surfs their emotions like a wave. They use them as guidance and fuel for making valuable decisions. They combine the way they feel with rational thinking to come to a well-rounded decision that encompasses all that is true about them. They don't fight against any emotion. In fact, they use the emotion to fight against life, to fight against challenges. There's no wrong time to have any emotion. Whenever it comes up, it is the time to have it. But they also don't drown it. The emotion doesn't own them. It doesn't make decisions for them. It is their pet. They keep it on a leash, and they decide what to do with it. And we're going to figure out today how to be that person. I might go all over the place today, but one of the first things I want to look at is how we get the word irrational attached to emotions. And essentially it comes down to a little storytelling process. When we have an emotion, we're put into this kind of challenge. Can we explain it? Because when we can't, we are going to label that emotion as irrational. We're going to blame ourselves for being an irrational person. We're going to think of ourselves as a weak failure for having an emotion that doesn't make sense. If, however, we're able to make up a good story about why we feel the way we do, we don't have to use the word irrational. We will consider ourselves to be justified. No matter how you spin the story, whether you can come up with something good or not, you usually end up in a pretty harmful position. If my emotion makes sense if it's justified, then whatever behavior I follow through on will also be justified. So if I'm angry because you left the dishes undone, 
and I think that that's a reasonable story about how I can be angry, now I can let the anger control me. I might end up hitting you or yelling at you. And I'll say it's all justified because my emotion makes sense. If, however, I'm really angry at you, but I don't know why. It's not fair for me to be angry at you. I feel like I've really let myself down by becoming angry over nothing. Then I'll find it very difficult to take any action. Because I'll believe that I shouldn't be feeling this way. And I'll be stuck in my head beating myself up just for feeling anger. Which, ironically, might lead me to become enraged. And then I might go fuck it and hit you or yell at you. The point being is that when somebody tries to make sense of their emotion, they've already lost. They're trying to understand why an emotion happened, but that is an impossible question to answer. Whatever you're feeling right now, your entire life has led up to it. Every belief you have weighs in. Every single experience you've ever been through weighs in. Every variable that's ever affected you in your entire life somehow contributes to the way you feel right now. I want you to just notice that. If I'm angry at someone when they've left the dishes out, it's not because they've left the dishes out, it's because I've got this whole belief system about the dishes that, combined with the context of that week and what I've been up to that day and you as a person and everything together, my brain goes, anger. But the truth is, I don't actually know if the dishes being left out is good or bad. I just know I'm angry right now for some reason. Trying to figure out that reason. It's like trying to figure out why you like the taste of chocolate. What led you to like that taste? Why do you like it and some other people don't? What's different about your brain to theirs? Impossible to answer. We don't know what causes taste in a person. You might have some biological answer well you know sweet things represent uh, energy and our ancestors needed energetic fueled food blah 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 it's like okay but why does my friend not like chocolate what was different about his ancestors where does the story end the point is as soon as you start to try to make sense of your emotions you're already confirming the shame you notice how you don't try to make sense of emotions that you're okay with when you feel happy you're not like fuck why am i happy what's going on here Is something wrong? No, you're just blissful. You're just like, fuck yeah, bit of happiness. I'll take it. You don't question why it came, you're just glad it arrived. Yet if it's anxiety or confusion, all of a sudden you have to know why it's here. Why would you question one and not the other? Because one of them you're ashamed of. I want to open your mind to a new process. Rather than trying to make sense of your emotions past tense, as in why are they here, Try to make sense of them future tense, as in, what would be a rational way to apply the emotion I'm feeling? Rather than, why is it here, saying, it is here, what am I going to do with it? This is how emotions are made rational. It's through our reaction, not through the cause, not prior to the emotion coming. When anger comes up for me, I don't need to know why it's here. I just need to recognize that it is here, and it's my job to do something with it. Something powerful. Something helpful. Something valuable. Something that has integrity. Anger is not a destructive emotion. It does not have to cause harm or do damage. I'll decide whether or not that happens. One thing we need to recognize with emotions is that they take place in a part of the brain that is also hugely linked with decision-making. 
the limbic system. At the time of making this recording, the current neuroscience clearly shows us that the emotional part of the brain is also the part of the brain where the final decisions are made. So to try to suppress emotion is to try to suppress the main decision-making tool that you have. But thoughts that are provoked during emotions are not the emotions themselves, it's just noise. And see, what a lot of people do is they have an emotion, they have a thought in relation to that emotion, and then they see that thought as both truthful and as an instruction. So let's say I see that you've left the dishes out. A thought comes into my head like, fuck, they never do their share of the housework. Now instead of me going, huh, that's just anger talking, I go, you know what, they'd never do their share of the housework, actually. No wonder I'm angry, motherfuckers. And then brain goes, you should, you should say something. I'm like, you're right, brain, I should say something. And you just go into this instant reaction. And then later on, when that relationship is destroyed by your outburst around the dishes, you say, fucking anger ruined my relationship. But there's a key point in time there that you're refusing to take responsibility for. The space between thoughts and emotions and action. You have an emotion, the thoughts come up relating to that emotion, and then there's a behavior, and it seems to us often that this is one seamless process. That the emotions leads to thoughts, which leads to behavior, and we're kind of a victim to this experience. But the truth is, there's this tiny space. Sometimes it only lasts a second. That occurs between everything that's going on inside you and the behavior. And that little space is the decision-making process. See, the psychopathic suppressors, in that space, they decide to ignore and push back against their emotion and do nothing in response to it, to not allow it to have a say. The emotional self-bullying people, they decide in that little moment to just get out of the way and let the emotions rip. To let them do whatever the fuck they feel like doing. Let any thought in the head just rule. And the same happens for the emotionally entitled. But the emotional surfer, the emotional rational combination... If somebody looks at everything going on inside the head and goes, okay, let's wait a second. What's the best way to use all of this information? The behavior that will then follow is a value-based decision which incorporates the context, the emotion, everything that's going on with rational thinking. It goes based on everything that's happening. What's the truth? What's the best way to deal with it? How do I make sure that both my Emotions and my deductive reasoning are acknowledged and used to make a powerful decision. Nothing is suppressed, nothing is pushed back, nothing is even... There's no even really an attempt to control anything. It's more like leadership. How do I get these two to work together in a way that's best for me in the longer term? Let's stop for a second to look at what rational means. For a lot of people, rational means simply the absence of emotion. That's what a lot of people think of when they think of that word. It's something that's computer-like, where there is no feeling getting in the way. But if what you feel is true, and you suppress that, that means you're suppressing the truth. If I pretend that I don't have anger, I'm now dishonest. Does dishonesty and rationality go together? Is it rational to pretend that something isn't happening? 
If a scientist was to ignore pieces of information from their experiment, would you say that was a rational scientist? Would you trust their work if they tried to delete the outliers that skewed their information? Or would a rational scientist be the one who incorporates every result from their experiment and gives it the weight it deserves, even if it proves them wrong? A lot of people think rational means following the rules, suppressing the emotional truth, and trying to fit in and suit everyone and not rock the boat. But how is that rational to do that? How is it rational? How does it make sense? How is it deductive and reasonable to avoid being a natural human? And to cut off a big part of yourself that's always going to be there? How do people call that being rational? What if rational was a different definition? What if it was to do what's best for your long-term quality of life based on the truth? Does that not sound like a better definition for rationality? Doing what's best for long-term quality of life based on the truth? Because that does not involve the suppression of natural, honest emotion. It also doesn't involve the suppression of deductive reasoning and thought. All of those things are true at any given moment, so all of them must be incorporated. Incorporating emotions into your decision making, as well as rational and deductive reasoning, is the full human experience. You cannot suppress any of it to make a very truthful decision. So we've got this equation. Emotions plus deductive reasoning plus valued decision making equals rational behavior. Now I want to look at, more practically, how to apply this. Instead of looking at emotions as good or bad, as helpful or unhelpful, think of them more like the dashboard lights in your car and as fuel. They're two things at once. One, they're telling you what's going on for you. They're giving you a sense of what's happening. And they're providing you with the necessary energetic state to suit the values that are required for this situation. So simply put, they're telling you what's going on and they're giving you what you need to deal with that situation. The thoughts that come up during emotions, they're merely representative. They're not to be taken literally. They're certainly not instructions. They're just reactional noise. When somebody leaves the dishes undone and my brain goes, oh, fuck, they never do the housework. It doesn't mean they never do the housework. It doesn't mean that I should give them shit about it. It just means that I'm angry. That's it. That my desperate need to make sense of the emotion is what gives it a story, is what makes it go, oh, it's because they left the dishes out. But the truth is, I don't know why I'm angry, and I never will. I can make up a story about it, but that story is not true. There are other people who could look at the dishes being left out and wouldn't get angry. So which one of us is true? Is dishes being left out good or bad? We don't know. All we know is, is when we saw the dishes, we realized we were angry. We may have been angry all day without noticing it. And it's just the dishes set off our awareness. Think how often you've actually been stressed all day, but you didn't realize until you got home from work. Now, somebody who's unaware might blame the traffic on the way home for their stress, but they were stressed before the traffic. They just didn't admit it to themselves because they're ashamed of emotion. So the thoughts that come up trying to explain your emotion to you can be safely ignored, not suppressed, but understood as just being a part of the emotion itself. I feel the heat in my chest, 
My brain starts blaming people for doing things wrong. All it means is I'm angry. I don't need any further digging than that. I don't need to figure out why I'm angry. I don't need to figure out what to do with the thoughts. They're all just telling me one thing and one thing only. Anger. It's just a dashboard light, an orange light on my dashboard. And when I'm looking out at the world and I think, God, everything sucks. You know, this is such a tough place to live in and, you know, I feel heaviness in my shoulders and I've got a bit of a headache. It just means I'm sad. It doesn't mean the world sucks. It means I'm sad. That's it. I am experiencing the emotion of sadness. You know, if I'm, not, if I'm feeling upbeat, full of energy and life, I'm looking out of the world in an optimistic way, all the thoughts are like, fuck, we're on top of things. Things are going well. That's not true either. Christ, maybe someone just slipped drugs into my drink. I'm just happy, that's all. The state of the world hasn't changed. I just happen to be experiencing happiness. So first, that's how you look at emotions. Then, you've got to understand that there's that little gap, that window of opportunity, where you get to decide what you're going to do about this emotion. Are you going to suppress it? Are you going to let it run your life? Or are you going to use it to make the best decision and engage in the most helpful behavior possible? With that in mind, I want to give you some practical examples of how you might apply this. We're going to look at a number of emotions and align them with values. And I'll try and give some examples of how this might play out. Let's start with stress. Stress is one of the most interesting ones because I think most people react to stress in an unhelpful way. They do the opposite of what it's telling them to do. So you've got this rushing feeling in your mind. You've got this dread full of thoughts of, you know, God, I'm not going to get things done. There's too much. Life is unfair. Why is that happening? Why is that happening? God, what do I do next? Those kind of thoughts. You're tense. You're hot. You're sweaty. You're hypersensitive. Your body's just saying, hey, you're stressed. Now, what most people will do in reaction to stress is they'll try to cure it by solving problems. They will burn themselves out with action. But stress isn't calling you to do that. Stress is trying to make sense. It's trying to make a, a victim out of you, saying your life's too hard, you need to fix it. But the emotion is really calling for the value of compassion. Stress isn't telling you to do more. It's telling you that you're doing too much. So the most valuable reaction to stress is to stop and slow down, to relieve your workload, to take a walk, to talk to someone about what's going on for you, to make yourself a cup of tea and just let the world fucking wait for you for a little bit. That is a value-based reaction to stress. Adding more to your workload, snapping at your co-workers, blaming everybody for giving you too much, that is not a valuable way to react to stress. But it's how someone who's ashamed of stress will react. Binge drinking, etc. Happiness. The way I'd react to happiness is with respect. I'm having a lucky moment. I happen to be grateful for life as it is. Respect is the value of acknowledging reality. I'm going to look around and go, look at how good things are. Really. Life could be a lot worse, but I'm just living it. I'm just going to do the thing that I'm doing while I feel happiness. And just enjoy the moment. That would be a valued reaction to happiness. Sadness. Sadness occurs when I have not yet accepted reality. When something painful has happened and I haven't yet come to terms with it, I'm in a grief about that pain. 
I find it hard to believe that the world is the way it is. Acceptance is the value here. I need to journal. I need to review the facts. I need to listen to people who are helpful. I need to talk to them. I need to just make time for myself to process what's happened. To allow it to sink in. I don't need to go binging on drugs and Netflix. I don't need to pretend I'm happy and put on a smiley face. I should probably even take a day off work. Who knows how sad I am. But acceptance is required. I need to do whatever it takes to come to terms with life as it is. Anger. It's time for assertiveness. A problem's come up. It's pissing me off, perhaps. I don't actually know why I'm angry. I just feel that a boundary is being crossed. I feel myself tense. I'm full of energy. I could do a lot of things with this energy. Either constructive or destructive. Now, if I can see that the anger is directly related to someone crossing my boundary, if I can see that disrespect is happening, I can use the anger for a confrontation, not a violent one, not an abusive one, but just standing up for what I believed in. If I'm angry at myself, I can do something to love myself again. I can take that anger to do some push-ups, or to get started on that project I've been procrastinating on, to do whatever it is that I've been too afraid to do up until now. Anger is the override for fear. If you've been afraid of something for a long time, and you keep acknowledging it, you'll eventually get angry that you've done nothing about it, and then anger will give you what you need to go and face the fear. It gives you courage. Confusion. So many people shame themselves around confusion. They think it's bad to not know the answer. It's so much worse to think you do know the answer. My God. The world is being is falling apart because of people thinking they know the answer. Confusion is the most humble and truthful state you could possibly be in. It means just finally acknowledging, hey, I don't know shit. Confusion is a transition state between not knowing the answer and knowing the answer. So the value is curiosity. You ask yourself, what's the question that's bothering me? Where would I find the answer? But not pressuring yourself to find the answer, merely giving yourself the time and the resources needed to eventually crack the code might be confused about this dance step and not know how to do it, but I'll just keep practicing it until it clicks. And if I become angry and frustrated because it's not clicking, then I'll take a break. Simple. Anxiety. Anxiety tells us what's important and what we need to be cautious about. It tells us what's new. If I respond to anxiety by trying to stop it, I lose track of what's important to me. Suddenly I'll be worrying about everything because everything's new because I've been avoiding life. Now I won't be able to trust my anxiety. Terrible place to be in. What I can do is think anxiety is telling me that there's something to be careful about here. There's something important to me that I'm worried about going wrong. I'm worried about losing. I just need to exercise some caution. I need to move forward, but carefully. That's all. And the last one I'll cover is neediness. A lot of people either try to take when they're needy, or they try to suppress it. What about giving as a value? Neediness is when you've mistakenly believed that you're missing something. When you go and give to someone, it's full proof that you've obviously got everything you need because you've got extra. Giving is the best solution to a state of neediness. Because it proves you wrong. You can't be needy if you've got resources to give. Only someone lacking resources is needy. So these are just some examples of what I call emotional rationality, listening to the emotion, changing your behavior based on a combination 
of deductive reasoning, emotion, and your values. It sounds simpler than it is to engage in because you'll be ashamed of these emotions when they come up. You'll lie to yourself about having them. So that first action has to be, what is the emotion I'm having? What value does it call for? What should I do about it? What's the most helpful, healthy thing I can do right now? Try it for a week. See how you go. Let me know. Dan at brojo.co.nz Subscribe to the SoundCloud podcast. I'll see you all next time.